Hey, Strategy Simplified, Naman here with a quick announcement. Our last Black Belt cohort of 2021 kicks off on September 1st. If you're looking for a comprehensive interview prep program, Black Belt is for you. Our expert team will work with you through every step of the recruiting process. Resume and cover letter edits, one-on-one case and behavioral interview coaching, a full online curriculum containing practice cases and drills, live group training sessions on top of your one-on-one coaching sessions, and access to fellow black belts for peer practice. There are only a handful of spots remaining in this last cohort of 2021. You can learn more and grab your spot through the link in the show notes. Today's podcast is a Strategy Simplified Mike Takeover. I'll be talking with Matt Ryan and he'll put me on the hot seat to ask me questions. We'll be discussing various things, including the order of operations as you think broadly about interview preparation, how to handle the changes to the MBB recruiting dates for pre-MBA roles, and how those planning to apply in future years can craft their resume to target consulting in the future. It's a fun discussion and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Today we're doing a mic takeover where Matt is going to be asking me the questions. I'm going to be on the hot seat. And before we get to that, let's let's learn a little bit more about Matt. Matt, would love if you could just give us a quick walkthrough of who you are and your background. Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I've been listening to Strategy Simplified for a while, so I'm excited to be a part of it this time. Um, so I'm a rising sophomore at the University of Maryland. Um, I'm originally from Massachusetts, and I'm studying finance and information systems at UMD. Um, I've always been interested in strategy and business, and so I kind of fell into consulting in the end of my freshman year from uh, a student in my professional business fraternity who recommended it to me and kind of introduced me to the scene. And so since then, I've been doing a lot of research on the industry and just trying to, uh, you know, prep myself for all those like recruiting timelines and all that. Um, so yeah, um, that's why I'm here just to talk about recruiting and get some advice from someone in the industry. Absolutely. Well, thank you for volunteering today. Glad to have you. Let's ask a couple of other quick, fun questions before we kick off. So what's, what's one thing, uh, one of your favorite activities to do on the weekend? Yeah. So I, um, I actually play a lot of, uh, this game called spike ball. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a, um, it's it's often like played on like the beach or in someone's backyard, but I play competitively a lot, which is uh, something not a lot of people know about that kind of scene of it. Uh, people uh, uh, at, U- at my school, the University of Maryland, I play on the club team, um, which is a lot of fun. And then I also during the summer when I'm not at school, I travel to tournaments uh, around kind of where I live. I just got back from a tournament in Rhode Island. I'm going down to Connecticut next weekend and then in a couple of weeks. Uh, from then I'm going to Buffalo, New York. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty active and more active than you'd think. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I know, I know what spike ball is. I never would have thought number one, that there would be university club teams, you know, let alone that there would be some sort of a competitive circuit for you to be able to, <laughs> to travel around. That's super cool. No, it, it's That's crazy. Awesome. It's crazy. Like, uh, there are like, like real, like college athletes who do it. And there's professionals who get like paid with like sponsorships and it's, it's, there's a lot more to it than you'd think. It's crazy. Wow. Hey, a whole new world I didn't know about. Um, what about, what about your bucket list? What's, what's one item from that? 
Yeah. So, uh, one thing I've always had on my bucket list is to run a marathon, uh, specifically the Boston marathon. I, um, I'm from Massachusetts, like I said. And so I've been to the Boston marathon a couple of times. I've had family who have run in it. Uh, I've cheered on from different spots in the race. Um, and then I also ran four years of cross country in high school. And so that's something, uh, that I'm really into. And I've, since I've graduated high school, I've definitely run a lot less since I'm not on a cross country team anymore. But uh, as soon as I sign up for one, I'm ready to get back into training. Absolutely. Sounds like you've got some exposure and some experience. So no reason why you can't mark that one off the longer bucket list. Awesome. Well, with that introduction, the the mic is yours. So excited to just chat a little bit today about what's on your mind and what you'd like to know about this process. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of topics I want to talk about. Um, one is just like, what students in my position, like freshmen and sophomores in uh, college, and also maybe even like someone who's just graduated high school can do to prep for the consulting process. Um, mm -hmm. And then also I just wanna talk about uh, target versus non-target schools. Cause that's something I think a lot of people uh, hear about online, but there's not a lot of like definitive information about it and how it uh, mm -hmm. affects your recruitment process. So mm -hmm. I'd love to get like your opinion on that. Um, Absolutely. But just to start off, uh, so for people in the process of finding out if consulting is right for them, uh, do you have like one or two tips that you could give them that might set them on the right track? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, we, we think about consulting as uh, encompassing and including a lot of different things, right? You're working in a pretty fast-paced environment. You're working on cross-functional teams trying to tackle and solve challenging problems. You're doing so in an environment and situation where you have to you have to work hard to be able to do that. And it, it sometimes requires long hours and and a lot of commitment. And so pressure testing each one of these areas uh, is something that that you can absolutely do outside of the exact scope and context of consulting, whether or not it's, um, you know, especially if you're still in an education setting like in an undergrad degree, for example, or a graduate degree, are there experiential learning opportunities where I can be on a cross-functional team? Maybe it's maybe it's not even consulting. If your school has a consulting practicum like that, fantastic. If not, there still may be opportunities to have this type of experience through like a product design course or some other sort of uh, capstone experience where you're able to be on a cross-functional team, uh, be able to answer to different stakeholders, anything that's related to client services, uh, some uh, a project where you would have a client. Again, it can be outside the consulting space, but something like that really helps pressure test whether or not you're interested in that type of a work environment and uh, have those elements as a part of your your role moving forward. Uh, and then another one is just to really gut check with yourself, like how how do I do under pressure, time pressure, pressure from bosses, multiple stakeholders? Do I do I excel in that environment or can I can I make it through or, uh, you know, if I crumble in that type of environment, then I would really question whether or not consulting is a good path forward for you. Um, and then we think about the traditional kind of skill set and in particularly the tools that are leveraged in consulting. And so any opportunity that you have to dive into Excel and PowerPoint more deeply through a course, you know, leveraging them through organizations that you're involved with, et cetera, 
really just getting yourself steeped in those areas will help you see, hey, would I want my job to really be buried in these software tools all day long? Because that's a huge part of being a consultant as well. Yeah, it's definitely. So you're saying like test, kind of test the um, situation you would be in if you were a consultant by joining, like whether it's professional organizations, uh, like internships, stuff like that, or extracurriculars. And then also just like practice those technical skills and make sure that's like something you're really willing to put the hours in on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that leads into my next question, which is uh, many younger students, whether they're in high school or like I said, first or second year of university, um, they try to plan out their undergraduate years so that they can eventually land a job in consulting. Um, Mm -hmm. What type of organizations on campus would you say? Uh, provide the best experience uh, that relates to consulting and also just like look relevant on a resume. Absolutely. Well, let's let's bust one myth. You know, it it you do not have to have a business related major and all of your organizations and, you know, um, um, you know, initiatives, things that you're involved with in school have to be involved in that area, too. That's not the end-all be-all. That's not what you have to do. That's not what what these firms are looking for. Um, now, let's go on the flip side of that. If you have a complete, if you have a major um, and or minor certificate, if none of your distinctions and areas of focus are associated with business at all, it absolutely would be advantageous to you to get yourself involved with other organizations, initiatives, opportunity areas where you're getting to really just set your foundational knowledge in that space. The the firms do want to see that. Now, with that being said, then you start to say, okay, well, there's a gazillion different organizations. There's a, a gazillion different clubs, activities, things I could be involved with. Follow your passions, follow your passions and get yourself involved in a way that makes real impact. Go after leadership roles, go after um, uh, establishing responsibility within the way within the organizations and groups that you involve yourself with. You want to be able to speak to the impact that you made in that area, the impact you made on that group, the impact you made on uh, various stakeholders, etc. So that could be something like, hey, I went in and transformed the way that the way that my university did their club sports recruiting process across all of the different clubs. That's awesome. Tell me more about how you did that. You know, how, how did you get that opportunity? How did you think strategically about that? How did you have to persuade and convince various stakeholders with differing priorities about how to align on a new process? And it was not business related at all, <clears throat> right? But still finding a way to involve yourself in things um, and thinking much more about what type of responsibility, what type of role can I have here? What type of impact can I make rather than the just kind of, you know, topical and uh, area uh, involved with your your clubs and organizations? Um, it doesn't really matter as much. I, I want I want your the time that you spend in those extracurriculars to spur on some fantastic stories about the impact that you've made in those roles. Okay. So it, you're saying it's more important to, instead of just being like member, a member of the um, UMD consulting organization, it's more important to like be a leader and like really drive impact and um, results in whatever organization you're a part of. 
Absolutely. And that, and, you know, as you, as you synthesize that, let me just say again, just to clarify, I don't think that that means that you have to have a president title or that you have to have, you know, this, this really exciting, um, role description, description or descriptor. I think that what that means is that find ways that you can plug in in an impactful way. And there's a lot of times where even as a freshman or sophomore, you can come in, you can go to the leadership of that club with an interesting idea for something that can change initiative that you want to, to run. And you know, they'll, they'll have, you know, you'll have a good chance at them giving you the leeway, the space, the opportunity for you to go do that. So create opportunities for yourself. Don't just feel like, oh, I have to win the student body president vote or something like that. You know, it's within your hands. Take the responsibility to, to create those opportunities. Great. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Thank you for clarifying that, because I think a lot of people go in like their freshman year and say like, OK, I need to join X, Y, Z organizations. And by my mm -hmm. junior year, I need to be VP of something um, mm -hmm. just to like have that on my resume saying I'm vice president of fundraising at whatever organization. <coughs> and mm -hmm. um, like I, I get why that may not be as important as like actually making impact instead of just winning an election or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my last question about this type of process is uh, it seems like recruiting timelines have kind of been moving up in recent years uh, for like some of these top consulting firms. Um, mm -hmm. How can someone like me get a quick start on preparation early in their um, undergraduate career? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, first thing, you know, when we're thinking about the 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 many of these firms are moving timeline to up many firms are splitting timelines into kind of two batches or cycles and so you you need to sit back and be strategic in your thought process there's a little bit of a of a give and take here um you know each year when these firms go through the recruiting cycles they they're filling up slots and so in that sense, it's always better to, if you see that you're targeting a firm that has two different application drop dates, and this year we're seeing that for the first time with some of the biggest firms, for example, then it's advantageous to you on the one hand to be applying as early as you can apply to that earlier application date, because then you've got a better chance to be within the first cohort. It's kind of thinking about, okay, am I, do I apply, do I apply early decision to college or not? Right. In some sense that, that might give you a better shot because they're going to fill up slots as they go. Um, and, and I think that analogy holds, you know, when you, th you think back to, to your undergrad application process, uh, as well as these firm application processes. But at the same time, there there's another part to that equation, which is you need to apply when you're ready. And so by no means should, would I say that you should apply on these earlier cycle deadlines when you're not ready to really excel yet at the case interview, when you haven't polished your resume, when you haven't really thought through the answers to fit interview questions. And so with those things in mind, <clears throat> then it becomes about, about, okay, how do I really get ready for all of those things? And thinking in general, I mean, there's a lot more, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> there's a lot more on our website. There's a lot more that we talk through about these different areas. But if we look at these four main criteria, you know, four main areas um, of networking, resume and cover letter prep, case interview prep, and fit interview prep. 
then um, most of us, when we think about preparation, would want to jump straight into, well, I have to, I have to just do all case interview prep first. But really, strategically speaking, focusing on that, you know, understanding the industry, identifying which firms you want to target, and then doing strategic networking, that's going to be the area where I want you to start. And as you really get steeped in that and started in that area, then you can polish your resume, um, make sure that that's ready to go for application deadlines. And then shortly after that, start into case interview prep. And as you're starting to get your head around what the anatomy of an average case interview is, what common structures and frameworks are you can leverage, practicing by yourself and then starting to live practice with a partner, then you can layer in, okay, fit interview prep. How do I answer those big hairy questions about why am I interested in consulting? Why am I interested in that firm? Tell me about a, you know one of your biggest weaknesses uh, and really having a, a game plan for those direct questions, tricky questions, and having a list of hero stories to implement in that setting as well. So that's the order in which I, I re- recommend people think about these different areas of preparation. And the sooner that you get started, the, the the better that you can make sure that you hit all those categories instead of just jumping in, rushing in and thinking, oh, I just I need to prep and I need to get a bunch of reps on case interviews. That's really only one component of the full equation. We'll be right back after this quick message. Case interviews test a handful of key attributes, the ability to structure a problem and process, communicate those things in a linear and clear fashion solve quantitative problems, and demonstrate business understanding. Just like in sports, the fundamentals are often the difference between success and failure. When it comes to casing, business formulas are one of the fundamentals. Before you go off to learn the latest business buzzword, stop yourself. Do you know how to calculate ROA, payback period, and current ratio? Better yet, do you know how to apply your calculations to develop insights for your client? Spend your valuable prep time on the tactical skills that will grant you success in the case interview. Leave the latest business buzzword to the posers. If you need help calculating and applying business formulas, join our one-day case formulas intensive. This three-hour intensive is a deep dive into the core case formulas you need to know. We'll cover formulas that fall into four key categories, profit, market, operations, and M&A. We'll practice applying formulas from each category to make sure that you're prepared for the case interview and life on the job. You can learn more and register through the link in the show notes. Yeah, when I started my uh, like case prep and consulting prep process, a lot of the content was like case interview, case interview, case interview. And it's like, so it's obviously like a very complicated um, topic to learn and master. And so mm-hmm. I, like you do need to give it time. But um, mm-hmm. to I mean, as a freshman, to start like specifically practicing cases two years before you might be applying for an internship, it just seems like excessive, but also a little overwhelming. And so I think it makes more sense to, um, to like you said, start with like networking and things like that to really like learn about the industry, learn if it's right for you um, before like jumping into some of that more specific higher level stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now moving on to uh, the next uh, topic I wanted to talk about, uh, target versus non-target schools. Um, I'm from a non-target, the University of Maryland. Um, And how would you say non-targets are looked at differently in the application process? Um, Is it something that 
only makes a difference during the resume screening or does it kind of um, affect you the whole way throughout, I guess? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So each of these firms have target schools because it helps make their recruitment process easier. They've seen repeated success in leveraging that pool of students to come into their workforce. Now, with that being said, these firms want the best people in their organizations. And so you by no means are completely cut out from the process or cut out from the opportunity of getting a, you know one of these coveted roles at one of these firms just because you're you're not at a target school. That's not the case. However, it's going to be harder for you to crack in, you know, to to really kind of break into to the process and that's where this strategic networking aspect really comes into play. It's a it's an effective and underutilized tool to be able to really thoughtfully think through and then execute on, you know, talking to the right people at the right firm at the right time in the right location, kind of putting that all together um, in the right timing to be able to then help that leverage your resume and application um, into the right pile in that resume review process. Um, it's really all about whether or not you get that initial interview or not. Once you get in the door, once you break through, get an interview, then it's on you. Then I'm looking at you compared, you know, there could be a Harvard undergrad that I'm interviewing first, and then I could interview you next. And you've gotten the interview. You've you've passed over that hurdle. Now it's can you perform in the interview through case interview portion and the fit interview questions as well. Um, but you know, target versus non-target is not going to to be some sort of a black mark on you and affect you all the way through. It means that you're going to have to work harder to get that initial interview and that you can do that through strategic targeted networking. Great. Yeah, that um, that's definitely something I've heard a lot is like networking is the most important thing in um, overcoming that hurdle just to like get the interview. And one mm-hmm. thing um, I've noticed is that people... Uh, who have like broken through from your own school are probably like the biggest asset in um, net- in networking because they want to help pe- like people coming from the school that they came from and in the situation that they were in to get to where they are now. Um, and so like I've tried to leverage some of those connections, uh, people who have graduated from UNB and are now at the firms that I would want to work for in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and that I- kind of leads into my next question. You talked a little bit about uh, networking and all that. Uh, what do students from NARN targets, what should they do differently to um, get that interview, in, including networking mm-hmm. and anything else? Absolutely. Yep. And let's let's just pick up from that last comment that, you know, that you left off with, which is, yes, absolutely. Folks in your immediate network can be really helpful in this process. Um, but let's take a step back and think about network, two different types of networking. There is one category and bucket of networking, which is I need to understand about the space. I just want to understand more about what this firm does, what makes it different than other firms. I'm information gathering and I'm kind of building connections along the way as well, but I'm leveraging, um, you know, kind of friendly faces and people that I have some sort of common ground or connection with to answer some of those initial questions. 
that totally does fit in the in the bucket of networking. But there's a whole nother side um, and an under leveraged piece of networking as well, which is strategic tactical networking towards trying to get a, a referral for an interview. And in this area and bucket of networking, this is where non-target school students really need to focus because um, this is where we go through and we say, okay, what firm do you want to apply to? What role are you applying into? Um, what offices are you going to preference in your application? Okay, based on that, target the um, target individuals in the office location at the firm, at the role that you want and actually write them an email, write them an email and reach out to them, set up a structured 15 minute informational interview and don't have those general information gathering questions be a part of that time, have a structured pre-planned and prepared approach to be able to, uh, you know, set off with a strong agenda off the top, share in a concise and, and structured way about who you are, come with um, you know, pre-planned questions to be able to make sure that you can engage with them in a meaningful way. And then actually in that conversation, ask them for a referral for an interview. Now, this is something that you'd have to do both after you have gotten, you've done that general information gathering. Um, and so absolutely leverage those warm connections, leverage your broader network, be able to ask the, the, have the, the, the more casual conversations and, and get, get information. But then you've got to translate that into trying to get that interview referral. And so that's, that's the piece that, um, is underutilized that our non-target school folks need to focus on. Um, you know, that we, that we preach and teach on, um, because doing that effectively, uh, is really what can help you get the interview versus not. Okay. Okay. So that strategic um, type of networking where you're asking for the referral, when should that take place uh, in terms of the application process? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So, you know, this is something that, again, helps you get that first interview. So it has to be done before you're dropping an application. And so work backwards, right? You know, this takes you know, um, of course, sometimes people find themselves in compressed preparation processes, but ideally speaking, you're starting months before the application deadlines such that you are able to, you know, connect with these folks, get on their calendar, hold these meetings, uh, and then you gain the referrals that you want from the different schools that you're tar or from the different firms that you're targeting. And, you know, it's really trying to get one referral from the office that you're targeting, from the firm that you're targeting. And when you add that up, uh, you're going to have to be structured in the way that you go about it. You're going to have to keep track of who you're reaching out to, where you're at in these processes. You're going to have to plan and prepare about how do you structure uh, those times? What does it look like to reach out to folks effectively? Email Yes, LinkedIn, no, for example. Um, there, there's a lot more to dive into on that topic, right? But it all has to be done by the time that you drop your application. Uh, at the same time, you would be focusing as well on, let me polish my resume. Let me get that in tip-top shape. Let me make sure that I am on this one sheet of paper, best representing who I am, what I've accomplished, the impact that I've had along 
any professional experience, you know, my education as well as leadership. And so when you put these two things together, I've, I have a really slick, polished, you know, resume that's ready for the application. And I've networked within these firms, you know, at, with the right people at the right place. Um, and, and I do all of that before I actually drop the application. That helps you get on more of a, a level playing field with folks from target schools. Okay, interesting. And um, these connections that you're making, should they be maintained throughout the application process? Or at, like, it's someone you're talking to after a referral call, do they want to hear from you again? Good question. Yeah, these the it, it's a myth that when we try and get a new connection and then ask them for a referral, that the consultant would need to, uh, you know, have worked with us or know us deeply or you know have a really strong and long-standing connection with us. None of none of that's true. They're not referring us for the position. They're only referring us for the interview. And so that's why reaching out to them and getting even 15 minutes of time is something that can be um, a really great strategic tool. And then of course when we hit major milestones moving forward, you know, it, right when you're about to, to actually drop your interview or drop your application. And then hopefully right before your interview, maybe you send a quick note to them, thanking them again for their time and letting them know where you're at in the process. But these don't need to necessarily become longstanding, deep connections moving forward. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I've heard like like consultants are busy, obviously. And so, I mean, every time they make a referral or a connection with uh, a random student, they can't maintain long-term connections. So, but it's just trying to balance, I guess, um, what type of connection you have with them. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so that's, that's all the questions I had. I'm glad we got to talk about networking a little bit at the end there. Cause it's very, uh, obviously a lot of information to cover there, but, um, I'm glad we got to cover the important parts. Awesome. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for volunteering to spend some time with us today. Thank you for those questions. And uh, it's been great to chat with you. Yeah, of course. Thank you again for having me on. This was very helpful. Thanks again to Matt for taking the mic today. If you want to volunteer for a future mic takeover, reach out to us. Email us at team at managementconsulted.com. And of course, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on all the latest news and insights.